So um, what we're going to do is we're going to set this up where various of us are going to wash our feet. Um, but it's going to start with my wife and I. We're going to wash our elders' feet, and then from there, we're going to begin washing their feet, and then the teams will wash their feet. And it's going to be, uh, like I said, a very condensed version. We're not going to do a full foot washing because that's not the, the essence of what we want to teach today. You know how to wash your feet. In, actual, in actuality, everybody that's having their feet washed today already washed their feet. And even the culture in that day, when Jesus uh, worked in his earthly ministry, basically what would happen was is that uh, by the time they got to the house, there was always somebody there. It usually was the servant of that house, and they would uh, do a quick foot washing or have water available. And so what happened is the people washed their feet, and they would go into the house. Another thing about that culture, and you could still see it today uh, in parts of the, the Middle East, where people, they don't sit in a chair at a table. They actually sit down on the floor, and, and their feet is very close to the food. So it's important that they wash their feet. It's a hygienic thing. Um, and also, it's a, it was a thing of respect in Jesus' day. There was a, a time where, uh, one time he went to one of the, um, the Pharisees' homes. And that, that blessed my heart when I, when I heard that. Because he went to the Pharisees' home, and the Pharisee had invited him to the house, but didn't provide water for him. Didn't give him a kiss, and didn't anoint his head with oil. So... Jesus took note of that, didn't say a thing, went into the house, and as they were getting ready to eat, what happened was, is that a lady who shows up, and, and it said that this lady was a sinner. Does it explain what was the specific sin? No, but probably a woman of the street, probably a woman that was recognized, known for that. We don't know, but the Bible says she was, quote unquote, a sinner. And, and Jesus allowed that to be registered in Scripture to make a, 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 a very clear demarcation as to who's supposed to be the right person, who's supposed to be the wrong person, who's supposed to be in the righteous side, who's not supposed to be in the righteous side. The Pharisee was supposed to be the one that knew about God, right? But yet this woman, a sinner, she goes into the house. What does she do? She proceeds to open up an alabaster box filled with an aromatic oil and starts to pour it upon Jesus' feet and then starts to wash his feet with her hair. Right? While she's crying and the tears are falling on his feet and she even uses the tears to wash his feet. Then Jesus allows it. This is a sinner. We know it because who was upset? Who was the one that was irate? Who was the one that was offended? The Pharisee. The religious one. Right? Okay. So, in his heart, he's saying, if Jesus was truly a prophet, shouldn't he have known that this woman was a sinner? Because in our, in our society, sinner women don't touch us. They, they, they can't even get close to us. And he's supposed to be a rabbi or a rabboni, a teacher of teachers. And he's allowing a woman, a sinful woman, to touch her? What's going on here? And Jesus, discerning his thoughts, says, um, can I talk to you a moment about that? He says, well, go ahead, Jesus. He says, about this woman. He says, when I entered this house, you didn't give me water for my feet? You didn't give me a kiss? You didn't give me oil for my head? But yet this woman, as soon as she gets here, she's wiping my feet 
with her tears. She's anointing my feet. And she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. Wow. So she's, he's teaching the one that's supposed to know about this stuff. And then to top it off, it was the culture. And he just, you know, who, who was the one that showed lack of respect there? It was the Pharisee. Because in the culture of the day, you don't come into the house without a kiss. You don't come into the house without um, a, a recognition that you're important. Let me wash your feet. Let me give you that respect. We, we understand where we live. We live in, you know, where there's a lot of sand, where there's a lot of debris, a lot of dirt. So let me have my servant clean your feet. And at the same time, let me anoint your head with oil. Now, what does that even mean? Why? Do you know why they anointed each other's head with oil? Anybody? Huh? Show respect. The answer is yes, but there was another reason. But absolutely right. There were the guests. Well, throughout scripture, you know, we recognize that, uh, the, you know, if you look at the spiritual counterpoint, when things were anointed, they were separated unto God. They were made holy unto God. Holy means separated for the use of, consecrated, as it were, right? But in this case, it had a very regular, healthy application. Because when you went to a house, Remember, you're coming from the desert. You're about ready to be really close because they ate really close. They would sit next to each other on the ground and their feet right there or, or on the side like this. You know, I would have a trouble with that because I, I would have to do like Pilates like for six months to get into <clears throat> But what they would do is they, they would anoint each other with aromatic oil or olive oil because that would hide any other odors. And this would be a normal function. You come in, here's your anointing oil, you know, cover yourself. And, and so what would people smell among each other is the aromatic fragrance of the oil versus each other. Acts didn't exist in those days. Right, now, you, now the young man is like, But in those days, the shh was the anointing. This man didn't do anything for them. Therefore, he did not show respect. He didn't show honor. Who was going to his house? It was the Messiah. It, it, it was a rabbi. Even if you didn't accept him as a Messiah, he was still a rabbi, right? See, so what we're saying is that Jesus himself recognized that. He taught on that. He appreciated what this woman did for her. What did this woman do for her? For him. She worshipped him. She loved him. She appreciated him. She didn't care what others thought. She knew her condition, but her, her, her condition was not in focus there. It was worshipping him. So this morning, as you were saying, let's worship him. Right? What are we here for? What's in your heart? Right? That was very apropos. Because truly, is he in the center of our hearts? Is he first? And, and so that theme is today loving God, but not just loving him like the world says. Well, yeah, I love God. Yeah, yeah, I know about God. Do we love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and body? God knows. You can't lie to God. He knows. See, so we need, sometimes we're self-deceived. Oh, yeah, 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 I love God. I go to church uh, every Easter. With all due respect, if you're in a real relationship, 
Your relationship will not last if you only see your girlfriend or boyfriend every Easter. Well, of course, Christmas. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And special events, marriages, uh, funerals, and things like that. Absolutely. I, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. Think about it. Real relationship denotes accountability, responsibility, right? When I first got married 41 years ago, my wife and I went through about two to three years of adjustment. We never had an argument, never had a fight. We only have healthy, intense fellowship. And, and the first two to three years, when I would go out, she'd call me. Where are you? Why aren't you home yet? I would say, what do you care? Yep, you see, uh, my dad was the boss at home, and her mother was, in the was the boss in her home. So she came from a matriarchal setting. I came from a patriarchal setting. So matriarchal setting, patriarchal setting each equals boom. <laughs> right? So it took a couple of years of adjustment where I realized, oh, I see. See, but I married her. I said in the vows, I love you for better, for worse. We're going to share everything, you know. Everything good in mind is going to be yours. We're, we're, we're doing that. And then next week I'm saying, what do you care? Why, why are you always after me? I wanted to bring my singleness into the relationship. And that's what we want to do with God. We want to bring our singleness into the relationship. God, I love you, but, you know, I can pretty much do whatever I want. I'm going to come in and go as I please. And God is saying, that's not what I do. I marry. I only marry. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so today... Um, what we're going to consider, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and they're, they're going to have to do with the foot washing, uh, but also this issue, this issue. In the year 2020, does our 2020 vision, so to speak, include hindsight? In other words, when we look back, can we clearly see where we did good and where we did bad? And in our vision going forward, does it include God being first in our hearts? Amen? So that's the thought I want to leave with you today. As Amen. we proceed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So Matthew chapter 22 from verse 35 on. Hallelujah. <clears throat> then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your mind. With all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And soul there means everything about you, everything that you are, your will, your intellect, your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, your thought life. It's the first, say with me first, See, that's the first and great commandment. It's not only a great commandment, it's the first commandment. It's the priority. First. First. Number one. This is what you think of first. In God's mind, this is first. I'm giving some emphasis there. In our minds, many times this is not first. But in God's mind, if you want to get to know God, and if you want to know how you can please Him, this is where it's making it very clear. The first order of business, is he first? Why? Because he gives his first to you. He gives his best to you. He gave the first fruit to you. He gave the Lord Jesus. 
The Lord Jesus was the first fruit. Amen. Amen. He died on the cross. He was God in the flesh, dying for you and for me. So he gave us the first, he demands the first also. Is that fair? Yes. Well, in my relationship with my wife, that's fair. She demands first from me. I can be in a meeting, a high-ranking meeting, a tremendous meeting. If she calls, I'll pick it up. Amen. I'll tell the guys, hold on a second. Hold on. Yeah, honey, what's up? Oh, yeah, we need some milk. Okay, I'll get the milk. All right, All right what was he talking about? <laughs> but that was first. Because that's what we decided. I have to give her first, she gives me first. That's the way we are with God. To give him second is an insult. Hallelujah. And then it says here, the second, uh-oh. So there's no room. There's no wiggle room there. First, love God. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. Because it says it there, the second, verse 39, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who's one that taught that? Well, the apostle Paul taught that. But who's teaching it there? The Lord Jesus himself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So look around you. That's your neighbor. So that means I can't speak no ill will about you. Hallelujah. I can't curse you. That's right. I, I, I can't say anything uh, to denigrate you. If anybody tries to mess with you, I have to get in there. I have to get involved with that. I have to love my neighbor as myself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything that was taught in scripture, these two commandments, number one and number two, are enmeshed in every other law, in every other thing the prophets said. Wow. So once again, number one, what's the first and most important commandment? Not just love God, but love God with all of your And number two, love your as yourself. Praise God. So from that premise, now we're looking to Jesus. He's about ready to sit down with them. And he has this last dinner with them. He says, I've had it with a passion, been waiting for this time. It was the feast of the Passover, and he was about ready to be offered up. And so in verse 13, it says, it's John 13. Um, let, me, let me confirm that. I forgot to put the verse, but it is verse 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, maybe one of you could look it up. Maybe, uh, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Yeah, chapter 13, but I, I, I check to see if it's the book of John. Verse 2. And supper being ended, after they ate, the devil already having put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and he was going to God, he rose up from supper, Jesus did, rose up from supper, and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and he girded himself. After that, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now let me just premise by saying, 
when they had gotten to that place, it was already understood that their feet were washed. It's not that he did it for the first time. They already had washed their feet because they already had eaten. Yes. But he made a specific teaching of this. He says, not only did he wash the feet, he began to wipe them with a the towel in which he girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing now, you do not understand, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And he didn't say that because he was rejecting Jesus. On the contrary, he had such a high honor of Jesus. As, you know, the master doesn't do this. This is a servant's job. But Jesus was bringing a teaching. Is Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And so I was prophetic because he was about to wash the world of their sins. Yes, yes. But, in, but in, in, in light of that, there was going to be a community that would arise, the ecclesia, the called out ones, that would help the process. Not only were they going to be washed of their sins, but going forth, feet are also indicative of journey. Yes. When you look at feet, symbolically, you're looking at your walk. Yes, yes. So he was going to need a group of people that can help to wash their walk as they walk the journey. Amen. So that was indicative of a process of relationship that would be formed through the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the ones with the gifts of administration, the ones with the gifts of mercy, the church. And they didn't have that yet. So he told uh, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing yet, but you will later on. Right? They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the instructions of how the church should be the church. In actuality, the ones that wrote out the scriptures are, are people like Paul, like uh, Timothy, right? Titus, John. They're the ones that finished you know, writing the scriptures. And that took some time to form. So they would not know how to behave. It was Acts chapter 6 where the Acts, uh, or rather the, 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 the apostles decided that, you know, there are too many people. In one message, 3,000 people got saved. Yes. Hello, 3,000 people. Yes. How do you take care of 3,000 people? Yes. Well, that happened. So the apostle said, what are we going to do? He says, you know, all of you, you know each other. Get from you seven men filled with the Holy Spirit, leaders among you, and we're going to set them into this business so we could dedicate ourselves to fasting and praying and teaching of the word, yes. right? Yes. So, you can see the process of the washing of the feet. Because a little later on, seven men are named. They became the first, what we would classify as deacons, right? And they were actual ministry. That was part of the ministry. And there were people out of that that came out as amazing ministers of the gospel. But the point is, is that what did they do? They served tables. They washed each other's feet. They ministered to them. They prayed for them. They helped to get them fed. The widows, the orphans, helped to get them fed. They washed the feet of their community, right? So here Jesus is talking about that. So I'm just explaining it to you so you can get a more expanded view. And so when he told Peter that, if, if, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. Because later on, Peter was going to be one of the primary ones that were going to teach the others how to wash each other's feet in every region. Because Peter became a great apostle, right? Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. He who is bathed, when you're saved, you're saved. Amen. Amen. But in the journey, your feet get what? Soiled, sullied. 
How many of you wake up, praise God, this is the day that the Lord has made. By the time three o'clock comes and you're back home, going home in the train, you're like, <laughs> doesn't that happen? And by the time you're home, seven, eight o'clock, you, you, you know, you come in in the morning, your hair is all done. By the time of the night, you're like, ah! Isn't that true? All stressed up. And the only thing you can say is, Calgon, take me away. That's an old commercial. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that every day our feet need to be washed. And part of the way our feet are washed is each other. We help each other. We encourage each other as it is today. It's our job to bless each other. Amen? Praise God. And then verse 12, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If I then, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For as I have given you an example to do, you should surely do as I have done to you. In other words, he, he wasn't really saying do this unto me. He was saying do it unto each other. Because you don't know yet, but there's going to be a great community you're going to be ministering to. And they're going to need my love. And the way I'm going to show my love is with what I'm doing today. I'm showing you how to show them, how to show them, how to show them. In other words, this is like the greatest way of bringing an ever-growing, ever-expanding leadership. But this leadership is not going to be a top-down leadership. Whereas the CEO, you know, they're revered. CEOs today are rock stars. John Bezos, he's a rock star. Bloomberg, wow. <laughs> I like to have like one-thirtieth of what he has. Yeah, because on Fridays, he's on his own private jet. Goes to the Bahamas, to one of his many, many homes. <coughs> CEOs, that's how they're treated today. But he was saying, the higher you go in ministry, the more you'll be a servant to all. Hallelujah. We will not think like the world, where we lord it over the people. On the contrary, the more we grow, the more we serve. Amen. Hallelujah. Could you think that way? It's diametrically opposed from the systems of the world. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed you are. Does it say that? If you know these things, blessed you are. Does it actually say that? The answer is yes, but. Let me read the rest of the verse. If you know these things, blessed you are if you do them. Serving one another, respecting, honoring one another. Understanding that when you wash somebody's feet, you're, you're doing what Jesus sent you to do. So in essence, he's washing their feet through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So say to your neighbor, neighbor, when you wash somebody's feet, he is washing their feet through you. Hallelujah. So let's get ready. And then I'll, I'll also share. But the first thing we're going to do now is I'm going to wash my fellow elders' feet. Because that's what leaders in the kingdom do. We wash the feet of others. We're not bigger and better. 
We don't think we're all that. I'm asking my wife to come up. Isabel, where's Isabel? Praise the Lord. My fellow elders, we've been working together. How long? How many? Three years? <laughs> 25 years? Praise God. I got the scars for sure. You got the scars. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> and today, uh, you, any, any words? A place where there's a... And for those of you that are going to wash others' feet today, other feet. <laughs> other feet. So funny. Other feet today. What we're going to actually do is just pour a little water and then we're going to dry, right? The water has a little oil inside of it. We're not going to be, like I said, there's no soap because Jesus didn't have any soap. He was bringing the teaching, all right? And that's what we're going to do. And it's going to be quick. You're not going to lay there and pray a 10-minute foot washing prayer over the person. It's going to be wash, right? Dry that, right? And that's it. And then next, all right? Otherwise, we'll stay here until 5 o'clock. We will. Probably most of you will be gone. But we'll stay, right? But this is going to be quick. So... to kindergarten. <laughs> this is fun? My wife says this is fun. As a pastor, I'm used to doing this. We've been pastoring for almost 28 years now. And then we've been pa part of this church for 30, uh, well, 35, 36 years. So now let's flop, flip flop. And here's the big challenge. The big challenge is many of us get used to serving others. But the flip side is, don't minister to me. I, I don't want to receive anything from you. Because if I receive something from you, I owe you. Listen, I'm telling you something that is real. And I don't want to owe anybody, so don't do anything for me. I'll do for you. That's pride. And the reason why we have to submit to this also is we have to allow them also to serve us, serve with us. So I have to humble myself in doing this. Because I'm used to serving you guys, but at the same time, sometimes there arises a pride of saying, I'm in charge, I do everything here. If it doesn't get done, you know, it doesn't get done. But if I come, I get everything done. I'm the man here. No, Jesus is Lord. He is king. We are co-servants, co-leaders. So you need, all, you need to also check that in your spirit today. Have you allowed anybody into your life to help you? Or are you only good enough to help, but you can't receive any help yourself? There's an issue there in your spirit you need to deal with, and it's usually pride. Pride or shame. And if it's shame, you also have to check that. That's not a good indicator of a relationship with God. Because when God comes in, he should destroy all shame. Hallelujah. Oh, the, uh, the other thing, we're only doing one foot. 
Only one foot. That's it. Because it's symbolic. The oil for your snacks? Praise God. We're going to have the sweetest smelling feet in, in all of the Bronx. Don't do too much washing. It's cold. Thank you, sir. I receive your service. I receive your faithful service, your friendship, your partnership, your love for my wife and I. Both of you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And now we, we now we wash at least uh, two or three others. Well, who's on the list? Who's next on the list? Ladies with ladies, men with men. Nobody took a picture, right? Yes. I better not see my, my, my really white calves uh, <laughs> on Facebook. Do you all like to take all the pictures and fake ones? Pastor's foot, expo ex exploded uh, version here. Who, do, who else do we wash? And this would be the equivalent um, of the apostles. Remember when they were disciples? Jesus washed their feet, and then they're the ones that had to teach the, the masses. They're the ones that actually wrote the New Testament. They were imprisoned. They went through a lot of uh, issues, right? But they stood with what? With, with joy. They stood with confidence, right? They stood with passion, because they have been with the master. And so since we've been with the master, we're able to serve each other. And we can stand with joy in our generation. I got to tell you, I'm very proud of serving <coughs> with this team and with all of the teams that are here. I'm very proud of each of you. Every pastor, they say their church is the best, but they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> we are the best leaders here. Praise God. officers slash ministers slash husbands slash, slash teacher slash Facebook extraordinary thank you it's my joy to serve you sir that you do in this house. I'm so proud of you. It's an honor to serve, serve you and serve with you. Coach, right here. Sir, it's an honor to serve. I'm so proud of all that you do. This church wouldn't be the same without you, without you and your missus. It's an honor to serve. It's, on, it's an honor to serve with you. 
Thank you. way we're recognizing the value that each one of our leaders have the times that we don't see them the times when we miss saying thank you that happens a lot in churches people get offended because they're not recognized in terms of the work they do and it's sad because it's not that their work doesn't have value it's just that we get caught up in the daily routine of ministry we don't get to see each other. Sometimes in church, people come in, worship, and they get out by the time. Man, I really wanted to say what happens, right? But today, we just wanted to recognize their work, appreciate them, and in a symbolic way, let them know that we're there to serve them. We've lost people in the past because of that. We've lost people because we haven't called them, haven't reached out to them. They've gone through a difficult time. We didn't know it. We didn't know it. Right now, for example, Artie and Denise, they had a fire. They had a fire in their home. Brand new, just got into the home. Bam, fire. He plays drums for us sometimes, remember that? Artie and his wife Denise. So right now, they're, they're homeless in Pennsylvania. So what we did is we, we put up, and we're gonna really market it this week, a GoFundMe, because they're okay. They just lost their furniture, their private stuff. So we have to serve them. How do we serve them? By do all, doing all we can. I might not be able to go there and paint, but I can send a love donation, you know, to make sure that he's able to get his furniture back, right? Or at least something new. We can do it as a congregation. We could call out to our friends. The goal is to raise $5,000. I think it's easy and go fun because the message gets out. So many people give $5,000, $10. And guess what? When they get their new apartment, it's going to look nicer than the one they have now. Hallelujah. Why? Because the community serves itself. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so team, as you've been served, now you start serving your teams. And remember, it's one foot, because this is symbolic. One foot and to the next. So Jesus, he performed this task because it was the most menial task that a household servant could perform at the time. People wore sandals as they walked around in the dusty streets, which were full of, of, of dirt and debris, waste. Nobody wanted this track through their house. And they ate their meals at low tables while they reclined in the ground, which means that everybody was down near foot level. And if you're near a foot after a full day of travel, you know that the that you could get, uh, what, what, what do you want to call it? Huh? What, what are some of the names we call that? A foot that's <laughs> been in business all day long. Huh? Well, when, let's say, for example, if you were forced to eat with your friends and everybody was in the desert all day long. Huh? A right foot? Okay. That's being very nice. Being very generous. But what 
would you call it? What are some of the names we'll call it? Huh? Fungus humongous. All right, there you go. You know, I've heard that one, but that's actually very funny. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it is. What else? What, what's another good name? Why are you so prim and proper now? Jesus, huh? Uh, four. <laughs> Jesus spoke about this. He actually taught about this. Why would he teach about that? If he didn't stay about it, uh, away from it, why should we stay away from it? You talk about it at home with no problem. Why in church you have a problem talking about it? It's because it's true. At the end of the day, the feet can stink. Can or they do, right? Because they, you know, they're either in dirt, debris, or they're covered. So after a while, whatever sweats, you know, develops an odor. It's a bacteria that forms. And so it's our job to clean it up at the end of the day. But think about the teaching. Think about what we're doing here. What we're doing is we are making sure that every single day, as we look at our brothers and sisters, not just ourselves, because it is assumed that we, we do honor God in the morning. We get ready in the morning. And for those of you that haven't done yet, let me share this with you, this principle. When you get up in the morning, make sure and ensure that you get into a dialogue with Almighty God. Make sure that you go to God. God, cleanse me today for the journey. Cleanse my mind, my heart, the works of my hands, my children, my grandchildren, my business, my work, so that you might shine through me. Every single day you need to do that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you pray that every single morning? We need to pray that every morning as a declaration for ourselves and our relationship with Almighty God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, let your will, which is being done in heaven, be done also in earth, my earth, with me, in my realm of influence, in my sphere of influence, right? And so love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. So we've done that. Our Father who art in heaven. What's the next thing we need? Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. How many of you are loving your neighbor when you first get up in the morning? Not just the next door neighbor, but your your work your work you know your co-laborer right at work. He's your neighbor, right? The bodega store owner. He's a neighbor, huh? The teachers, their neighbors. Your, your instructor's a neighbor. Your supervisor is your neighbor. <coughs> See, now I'm meddling. Serving, if you're, yes, if you're a housewife and homemaker, you're serving your family. You might have the next Billy Graham there. You, you might have the next T.D. Jakes there. But as you serve your family, you're loving God and you're loving your neighbor. And that's what we're reminding each other. We're reminding each other, this we cannot forget. Once again, the first greatest commandment, the one that's most important to God is what? Say it again. Love what? What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so today, this is messy. Notice, it's messy. It's noisy. This is not... You know, normal church. 
it is messy. It is noisy. It is hectic. When you get beyond yourself, it being with yourself is noisy enough. But when you now have to include another person, how do I pray with my neighbor? How do I minister to my supervisor? How do I minister to my coworker? If you're a business owner, how do I serve my community with the business God has given me? Like last week I gave you an example. I have a good friend who owns real estate here in the Bronx. And what she and her husband do, they have 600 units, 600 apartments. It's a pretty significant business that they have. So what they do is, uh, right over here in Hunts Point, they um, opened up the entire basement of one of their buildings, opened up another building, and they created an after-school center, which they pay for out of their own pocket. They put computers there for the children, right? The husband was more maintenance-oriented. She's the, the supervisor in terms of administration and bill paying, paying, right? But he's more the administrative guy, I'm sorry, the, the maintenance guy, right? What he does is he brings all the staff for lunch. Okay, guys, let's eat together. And then you know what he does? Gives them a Bible study, right at work. So what can we do to serve our neighbors? Let me ask you a question. What are, what are some of the things that come out in your mind right now? How can you serve? Is God bringing up to your mind something? Anybody here? It's a question. What 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 things can you do? What what do you think? Huh? To listen. Wow. To just to listen. Very important. That's very important because most people don't. They just want to talk. Right. Let me give you a couple of ideas, and then I want to get some of your ideas. some ideas here as to how we could serve our neighbors, how we could wash their feet. All right. Check up on somebody. Give them a call. How are you doing? Is everything okay? We've become a nation who only communicate through Facebook. And we think that's our whole world. Facebook is not your whole world. There are many people that don't get on Facebook. You don't get on Facebook either? My wife either, she doesn't deal with that at all. I deal with it through ministry, in terms of ministry. What about sharing words of love and appreciation, going up to somebody? You know, I value you, I appreciate you. That's washing the feet. What about making amends for something you might have done that might have been hurtful? Have you hurt anybody? Anybody here? Has anybody here ever hurt anybody? Yes. Three, four, five people. The rest of you, you could go to the altar right here. We've all hurt people, right? So we can actually go to the person. You know, last year, I, I think we had a very difficult conversation, and I never made amends to it, and today I just want to apologize. I want to let you know I appreciate it, value That's the way you can wash somebody's feet. Another thing we could do, babysit for a couple who are working all the time and have, you know, two, three, four, five kids so that they can have an evening where they can date. That's the way you can wash their feet, right? Uh, what about buying somebody groceries that, that you know are going through a very difficult financial time? Or giving them a love offering? What about standing up for those who are unable to do for themselves? Hallelujah. 
What about lend the listening ear? And that's the point you were making earlier. Right? Listening ear to somebody going through tough times. <coughs> one, one of the ways that we put ears, bring a person to church with you. Amen. Right? Use your God-given gifts in a new way. What is your gift? What's your ability? Are you administrative? Can you do taxes? Help one of your friends. I mean, let me look at your, your taxes. See if I can save you some money. Why? I just want to, I want to bless you. I want to wash your feet. What about if you're, if you're handy, you can build something. What, do you, what, what is it you need built in your house? Something simple, right? Maybe take a day or two that you could do for them. Just because. Let the love of Jesus shine through you in tangible, practical ways. Any, any other ideas? Anybody? Cook? Oh, absolutely. Cooking. And you do this all the time. You wash people's feet. Your home is a place where people's feet are washed constantly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Very proud of you for what you're doing. You do wash people's feet. And they're cooking the best. Praise God. Yes. Yes. <coughs> Carrying a smile, making eye contact. Even in the train, you're concerned. Yeah, exactly. Especially for New York. Yeah. Listen, I'm born and raised in New York. If somebody comes up to me and smiles, I go, What are you smiling about? We get defensive. I moved, I moved to Lancaster. The congregation knows I moved to Lancaster just to, you know, we want to invest in something that doesn't cost uh, $10,000 a week for taxes. So we moved to Lancaster. And, and you know, I think like the third day we're there, somebody comes up and brings, up, uh, brings us uh, <coughs> brownies. I look at the brownies. And I look at the lady. She's smiling. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm going, I don't know how to deal with that. This is their norm. And for me, it's a, you shouldn't put anything in these brownies. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, Magic brownies. I, I couldn't help thinking like that. But she ministered to me. Yes. And it's funny because as soon as I opened the door, my alarm went off because I put an alarm, a whole house alarm. Meanwhile, none of them have alarms. And then they go, wee, wee, wee. I'm going, hold on a second. I ran back in. I'm trying to punch. I forgot to actually even the code. And I come back. She's like. <laughs> I said, no, it's all right, it's all right. She said, why do you have an alarm? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm from New York. I know you know you don't know what that means, but uh, from New York, we're very careful. And since then, I've learned to ease it off and a little, get a little more back to, to earth. Are we all right? Want to wash the other feet? What did you want? Want to wash your own feet? <laughs> That's all right. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Isn't it funny? Everything goes perfect. And when everything is done, the last moment, bam. Praise God. Thank you all. What else? Any other way? Any other way? I love that. Cooking, looking at the eyes, and smile. Right? Yes. Yes. Shoves. Oh, yes. Amen, amen. 
And in New York, we could, you know, clean around the car, somebody's car, especially in the morning, right? That, that can help a lot. Yes. Washing feet. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Washing their feet. Yes. Feet? Oh, powerful. Amen. Amen. That's, that's wonderful. You know, years ago we had a couple. She went on to be with the Lord. Um, uh, and, and they were part of our church. But they did their way of feeding, of washing people's feet was they bought themselves a van. <clears throat> and a big vat of, of coffee maker and for soup. And what they would do is they put it in their van, go downtown. I went with them sometimes, and it was just so life-changing. They would get, I don't know, something like 600, 700 meals and make Spanish soup. You know, with the corn and with the fideo and the meat and the chicken. Uh, I, I'm like, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so delicious. I mean, yeah, with Sasson, the whole thing. But she would do it for the homeless. We get off at around 60 some street, then go under the bridge, and you'd be surprised how many people are living here that you don't even recognize. But yet, when they showed up, 300, 500, 600 people, the line would go around the block. A great way. And it's God's heart. Jesus even said it. If you even give a, little, a cup of water to one of the least of these, he's doing it for me. Praise God. Power. Did you say? I saw the hand. Sorry. Yes, right. Car <coughs> Carpooling is really cool because, especially if you're driving, because you get to control the radio. <laughs> you can put it on a Christian station, or, and, and you can control the dialogue. Very powerful. Very good. I would have never thought about that. But you're absolutely right. Thank you, friend. Appreciate it. Anybody else? Not everybody at the same time. You confuse me. Praise God. Yes. Defer your actions? Like, for example, give me an example. Ah, give them an opportunity for open door. Give them a first opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Kindness. Kindness is washing people's feet. Exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. I do that all the time. I do that all the time because it's a tangible, and it's easy. Someone once even said, if you smile, you use about I don't know, like three, four, five muscles. But if you're angry, you use like about 60 or 80 muscles. It's hard work to be upset all the time. Yeah. And, try, and try to be first all the time. Defer. Give other people an opportunity. Let, let the love of Jesus shine through those types of actions. Actually, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Pay for a meal. Pay for a meal. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes we do that. You know, you can pay... You up to the easy pass line? Pay, pay for the guy behind you. Tell, tell him I said that that uh, Jesus H. Christ uh, has paid the bill for him. Right? <laughs> Just something like this to get them thinking. Jesus H. Christ. Oh, it's a Christian doing me a kindness. And a, a thing I've seen lately is people when they pay a tip, instead of giving like a $3 tip, a $5 tip, they'll give them $100, $20,000. And I tell you, that's, a, that's nice. And I, I've seen these uh, waiters waitresses cry is in some cases they were shortened their rent and that took them over you know did you raise your hand yeah. sharing what oh yeah that's a good one sharing snacks exactly right yes 
Come on, give me some. These are tangible ways, tangible ways that we could serve one another. Praise God. So the main purpose, and with this I close, the main purpose for uh, foot washing is that it's symbolic. It's to care for others and to emulate Jesus in everything we do. As long as there are genuine emotions behind the act, service to others, it'll bring feelings of humility, feelings of empathy, it's beneficial for both parties, beneficial for us, because those who give will receive. And those who receive, they're able to get a glimpse of Jesus in our life. So the Bible reminds us that we are loved unconditionally. God loves us unconditionally. And you know, you have the right to receive that love. You have the right to receive that love today. At times we may feel the complete opposite and hold ourselves back from being offered kindness and being tended to. However, this is a great moment where we serve each other with unpretentious love, unpretentious kindness. Amen? Amen. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm asked for uh, ushers, will you please set up the, the first group? And so what we do as a church family, as part of that, as we get ready to, as we get ready to, uh, not embark because we're already in the midst of the year. Amen. What we do is we do a first fruit service. And this first fruit giving for us is an acknowledgement that God is our Lord. He is our King. He is our Savior. He is our Shepherd. Let me just uh, briefly give you one or two verses on that so just you're going to get an idea. Let me get my glasses there. Thank you, sir. first fruit, it's, it was actually in the Old Testament required by God. It's not required now, but it was required in the Old Testament as the first part of what was produced by the people. It was not an afterthought. It was to be brought to God as an act of worship. And there was also a time of rejoicing, goodness, because God always reserved the first to himself. Always, always. The tree in the garden. Touch any, you could handle anything, but don't touch the tree. Abel's offering. Remember Abel's offering? He received Abel's offering and rejected the other offering, Cain's offering. Why? Because Cain didn't put his full heart in it. Abel did. What about uh, Jericho? God told Joshua, the entire land is yours, but the first city, give it to me. See, as, as a recognition that he's the Lord. He's the provider. Honor the Lord with your first fruits, Proverbs 3. Seek the kingdom of God first. See, there, there are different types of offerings. But it's interesting because the first fruit offering, Proverbs 3.10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. When God finds a person that he can trust, <coughs> see, then there's that anointing to be able to bring us to the place where first and foremost we know who our true provider is. But also, God wants to bless through us. So if he could trust us, then what happens is, is that he's able to get resources over to us. And uh, one of the prophetic words I heard for this year, among all the many prophetic words that are being shared, is that God's about ready to start to transfer some resources that he has prepared to his people. And what will happen is instead of the, the, the people receiving it and then hoarding it to themselves, they're going to be a conduit and bless others. 
And according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, it says, as we receive, we give. God gives us more so we could continue to give. Amen. See, but there's a special trust factor there because God has no problem in wealth. We're the ones that have a problem with wealth. Why? Because many of us love wealth. And the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. When we break greed, and that is when we take something with, man, I could really use this. I say, well, guess what? I'm going to share it with some. I'm going to share it with the poor. I'm going to share it with my friend. I'm going to share it with this. I'm, I'm going to give some of this out as, as the love of God. Then God says, now he's got my heart. Because I have no problem blessing my people. God can shift you in a heartbeat. Remember, remember David? Yes. He, he blessed David. But what, what about his son? David was a multimillionaire. His offering for the temple was half a billion dollars, by the way. King David, by the way. But he could do it. You know. But what about his son? All his son wanted was wisdom. Uh, what, what do I want, Lord? Uh, I want wisdom. I'm young. I don't know how to lead your people. Just, I'm going to give you wisdom. You're going to be the wisest man ever. Yes. But I'm also going to make you rich. God did that for him. Amen. God has no problem giving resources. The problem is, who can he trust? So in the beginning of the year, we also ask ourselves that question. And we make sure we put a first fruit offering. What is a first fruit offering? Whatever it is to you. Whatever you can. It does, it's, it, there's no factor in that. It represents you. It represents your family. So as a church family, we do that. Uh, so I'm sharing it so that my, our friends could understand what, what, why we do this. It says, the first fruit <clears throat> causes a blessing to rest in your household. Ezekiel 44.30 says, the best of all first fruits of any kind. And every sacrifice shall be, uh, from all your sacrifices, shall be the priest. Also, you shall give the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. So the first fruit causes a blessing to rest upon our house. Amen? In essence, what we're doing is we're putting God first. We're seeking the kingdom of God first. Right? And we understand that as we do that, he's the one that will fill our barns. What we normally do is since it's a challenge for us, we establish the promise today. If it's something we can give today, we give it today. If we can't, we establish the promise. We'll write a little envelope within 30 days or 10 days, Father. I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to give the kingdom of God this. It's going to go to somebody that's not me. You know, for your glory and their benefit. Yes. And we, we do that there. So my wife and I, we do that same thing too. So I'm going to write something out now. Because I've been busy. I haven't been home. Let me get an envelope. Yes. Oh, you have it? Come. Come on. Thank you. Praise God. She, she got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Praise God. So we'll go first because that's the proper protocol. Amen? And then, we go, then the ministers, well, the elders, ministers, and then uh, any of you who are, who, you know, what, need to join this and feel compelled to join this. Hallelujah. And remember, it's always by faith and enjoy. It never should ever be a compulsion. It never should be uh, something that you're feeling, oh, I have to do it because no, no. It's as the Lord would lead. Yes. All right? So this is this is free will completely. Amen? Amen. Amen. 